11 past 7 right here at 92.9 Aria and the Grande, their positions. JB for breakfast, all thanks Country Auto's Havilah Sukar thinking. Morning, Tony, how are you? Good morning, I'm well, thanks. How are you going? Yeah, very well, very well. This is the bizarre tale. I love this one. This is one of the greatest stories of all time, one of the greatest unsolved mysteries of all time as well. That's a huge call. It's a massive call, but look, once you hear this tale... It is phenomenal, so much so that, you know, we can only talk about these sort of things on the radio with a bit of X-Files theme music in the background. So with no further ado, there it is. Does that make it less truthful? (laughs) Look, look, you be the judge on that one. I love this. It's a tale of D.B. Cooper, if you're not familiar with this. This is phenomenal, right? I'll take you through it. I'll paint the picture for you, okay? November 24, 1971, a man identifying himself as Dan Cooper approached a Northwest Orient airline booth at the Portland International Airport. He was carrying a black briefcase and bought a $20 one-way ticket on flight 305 to Seattle, Washington. It was a 30-minute journey. Hold the phone. A $20 ticket? I know. That were the days. Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, Upon boarding the Boeing 727, the uh, passenger sat in seat 18C at the back of the passenger cabin. He ordered a bourbon and soda and he lit a cigarette. That were the days too and he could smoke on the planes. Oh, can't imagine anything worse. Gross, I know. The flight had 36 passengers on board. It took off as scheduled at 2.50pm. Mr Cooper then passed a note to a flight attendant assuming he was just another smooth gentleman hitting on her. I mean, this was 1971. Mm. She slipped the note straight into her coin purse. Mr. Cooper then leaned forward and whispered, Miss, you'd better look at that note. I have a bomb. So she took it out and the neat handwritten note instructed the air hostess to sit next to him and follow his instructions. It read... You are being hijacked. He flashed the bomb inside his briefcase for the attendant to see and then made his demands. He wanted $200,000, four parachutes and a fuel truck standing by at Seattle to refuel. The pilot was informed of the demands and Northwest Orient's president, Donald Nyrope, Approached the payment of approved the payment of ransom to Mr. Cooper in exchange for the safety of all passengers on board the craft. Mr. Cooper was said by all witnesses to be a calm, polite, and well-spoken man. He offered to request meals for all crew members and would sit back and sip his bourbon and then settle his drink bill. I by, feel like this has got to be fake. By 5.24 p.m., his demands were met and the aircraft landed 15 minutes later in Seattle, two hours after its scheduled landing time. The pilot was told to take the jet to an inspicuous part of the tarmac and turn off the lights so as not to attract any police snipers. The backpack with cash and parachutes were delivered to the craft and while the plane was being refueled, all passengers and crew members were asked to leave the aircraft. The flight deck crew remained and Mr Cooper advised them of his plan. 
that they had to fly towards Mexico City at a minimum airspeed at an altitude of 10,000 feet and the cabin to remain unpressurized. After taking off somewhere over the lower Cascade Mountains in Washington, Mr. Cooper strapped on a parachute and strapped the ransom cash to his body and stepped out of the plane, never to be seen ever again. What? I feel like there's so many things about this. A, he's flying. We don't do that these days. B, <laughs> yeah. who actually pays ransom? Like every single American movie I've ever seen, they're like, we're not paying ransom. <laughs> um, the FBI have maintained, and they never solved this, they never knew what happened after he stepped out of the plane. Because they actually weren't cruising at 10,000. They went to like 60. <laughs> yeah, they <should laughs> and he died that. immediately. <laughs> Come on, guys. Yeah, that's the part of the story that they never checked. Mr. Cooper never went into the cabin to check the altitude that they were at. Yeah. Matt, you should be... I like you as a journo, but you need to be a pilot. Hire me. It's phenomenal. Look, the the FBI reckon that he never... He didn't survive the risky jump. The only further information that they got about this was they found a portion of the stolen money, which was three packets of cash, totaling about $5,800, discovered in the Columbian River near sort of the Cascade Mountains, which he jumped out of uh, in 1980, so nine years later. And they also found a cheap black clip-on tie that matched the description. Of course, this guy who's, like, done a whole James Bond-style mastermind has a clip-on tie. Come on, mate. (laughs) Come on. At least do a real tie. I mention this because a lead suspect thought to be Dan D.B. Cooper, his name is Sheridan Peterson, nowhere near as suspect as D.B. Cooper, apparently passed away over the weekend. He was aged 94, but they reckon the FBI uh, say that uh, they reckon he was prime suspect number one. And he's even come out and said, he said to National Smoke Jumpers magazine in 2007 that the FBI have good reason to suspect me. That's all he said. I reckon he just wants to be. Yeah, I think so. He wants to live by that legend of like me and my clip-on tie stole $1,000, Don't have enough to ping me and I've lived a life of poverty and haven't lived like I had $200,000 cash ever. Yeah. And I don't know how to do a Windsor knot, but hey, guess what? (laughs) Guess what, ladies? It was me. Yeah, exactly. Form an orderly queue. He was living off the like. He was living off the story. <laughs> maybe it is. Maybe it's not. Mystery. There you go. The tale of DB Cooper. Eighteen past seven. We've got an albino snake. A much loved albino snake on the loose. Give you details about that next. Hi. The Gin Blossoms at 7.24 right here at 92.9 JV for breakfast. Look, usually we're a snake-free zone on this show, or if so, we're talking about the the, the untrustworthiness of snakes usually mm. on this show. But you know what? There's a, they, they need our help right now, all right? A snake owner out there needs our assistance. You know, we have... I don't want to sound too egotistical with this, but we've got a lot of people that listen to the show... And yeah, so we, more eyes, more help. Exactly, that's it, that's it. We need to use our, our platform that we have here for the benefit of, you know, 
finding lost pets. A loving pet owner. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to turn on that like empathy part of my yeah. brain and say, no matter what kind of pet it is, it's horrible to lose a pet. It's horrible. Yeah, exactly. So it's no different for snakes. You know, we do we've done lost pets of dogs, cats, rabbits, birds, sheep, horses. Yeah. When the Eric the albino python landed across my desk yesterday, I initially went, you know, nah. But giving it some more thought, I went, you know what? No, he needs our our help. So Eric the albino python uh, has gone missing in South Tamworth near Gunninganoo Road. He's about a metre in length. He's apparently harmless and shy. And um, he's, you can't, he's, he's a, he looks like a green python, but white, basically. Yeah. That's the best description of an albino and snake I can give. Eric, if you're listening, please don't come to the station. No. Just slither your way yes. home. Yeah, just look, just <laughs> preferably, and I'm, I'm sure I'm going to speak on behalf of most of the population out there, Eric, yeah, don't go to other people's homes, okay? They're not going to appreciate that. Um, in some cases, you may find yourself in more harm by doing that, Eric. Mm. So, look, just wherever you are, slither home. It's the best place. You have a warm thing that they put snakes in. <laughs> what are they? The... Not a snake owner. Not a snake nah, owner, JB. Um, but basically, yeah. yeah, just if you do happen to see it, yes. don't try and pick it up yourself. Like even if he is friendly and harmful, harmless. Harmless, harmless. yes. <laughs> it's a great faux pas. Uh, <laughs> harmless. Yes. Call, have a look. There's a number available. Yes. Everyone are on the hunt for Eric at the moment. He's even got an Instagram, eric.the.banana.man. So find Eric on Instagram even and uh, track down his owner and uh, please, hopefully we can get Eric home safe. That's all we want. 727 Local News with Tony on the way next. to school this week so I thought you know what we need to do the battle of the subjects we need to find out what school subject is the most loved in the region yesterday we did maths v science and science took out the win there Tony what's your favorite out of those two subjects science or maths what do you lean in I now would say science but when I was at school it was 100% maths oh really yeah yeah right okay I was a little nerd. I really liked the, I think my like OCD that's like just simmering under the pot there. Yeah. I really loved the black and white of maths. Yes. It's either right or it's wrong. Exactly. There is no in between. Yeah, that's it. Mm. That's exactly what you're like in your journalistic credibilities <laughs> as well. There is no grey areas. Black or white. Oh. Answer the question. Oh, well, yeah, but instead <laughs> there's a lot of grey. Oh, there's plenty of grey. Um, history or geography is our latest battle we're doing this morning. I'll let you know who the winner is, but what what camp are you in there? Do you know, mine would be the same. I um, just shamelessly here are going to tell you that I topped the state for um, geography in year 10. Wow. Which was my last, like, schooling year. Yeah, cool. In the school certificate. Don't know how that happened, uh, but... What, you, you, now you, I would love history more than geography. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but so really at school you were more geography. 
Yeah, no. and it was yeah. super weird because that year that I was in year 10, we yeah. had a really bad flood in Newcastle and our schools was built on a swamp. So we were out of school for like eight weeks. Wow, yeah. My geography teacher used to uh, write on the board, read chapter five, and then she'd leave the room for the whole period. Oh. So I think it was actually like a self-learning thing. Yeah, Because I right. was so scared of being really bad at it yeah. because of the situation yeah. that I like tried a lot harder. It was very close out of geography and history. I won't tell you what camp I prefer to be in. Why not? No, 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 no. Well Come known. on, I just oh, did I, mine. Yeah, okay. No, I'm history. Yeah. All, all yeah. for it. I did do geography, though, through to year 12. Do you um, think it's but like I a, just enjoyed it more. The older you get, the more you like history because you're like, ooh, I'm part of it. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I hadn't thought of it like that. I don't think that's yeah. the reason. You just start to appreciate because you yes. see patterns repeating. Well, that's what I think yeah. anyway. Yeah, no, yeah. I agree there. Uh, history took it out just just by a couple of votes. Ooh, history there you go. crept in front of geography. Geography was getting a good run for a while there. I don't know whether it was just Zuckerberg's algorithms on Facebook that <laughs> all the geographies were all in a row. Maybe he's a geography nut. I don't know. Mm. But they were all in a row and I thought geography had this in the bag and then history just came through and cleaned up at the end. So history wins that one. So later on we'll put that in the ring with one of the other winning subjects. So I'm thinking, like, are we going to throw a spanner in here and just put, like, art or something? Yes. let's be honest, everyone's got to choose that. Well, we got art. So thank you. The battle for this evening on our Facebook page, vote for this one, art versus music. Ooh. Yeah. So is it visual art versus music? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, visual art v music. Because at my high school, um, you did one semester of art and then one semester of, of music where art was. Oh. So you did one semester of each, just to give you a little <laughs> knack of it. So uh, that that's what inspired this battle. Mm. You see, music v art. Yes. So we'll check that out on our Facebook page. Vote away. Evermore running right here at 92.9, 847 JB for breakfast and time to chat water sustainability with the water sustainability officer at Tamworth Regional Council, Louise Cadell. How are you? I'm great, JB. How are you this morning? Yeah, really well, really well. Didn't chat to you last Tuesday, so it's been a fortnight since we last spoke. How's the uh, dam levels been? Well, look, nothing had really changed um, in the last fortnight until last night when we decided to rain in the middle of the night. Yeah. It hasn't really stopped. So um, early days to tell just what an impact it's had in our catchment, but Chaffee Dams um, was edging towards 42%. So it had got down to 41.8%, so it's risen just a tad, but that should um, maybe rise a little bit more as the days go on. Um, Dungowan sitting at around 95% and Split Rock's 12.6%. So um, kind of all all similar, but no doubt the recent rain will increase them all a tad. Yeah, lovely. Our average consumption's been pretty good considering the cooler weather we've had this January compared to normal. Absolutely. So overall in January, um, we've been well below the target on average. So the target, of course, on level one is 23.5 megalitres. Um, in the past seven days, we've been a bit above that. We've been sitting around 24.9, but that's not a concern at this point because yeah. it you know, it has been a little bit hotter, um, obviously a bit of humidity. Yeah. So um, And also that lack of rain, you know, a lot more people watering outdoors. So that's where that increase in water use happens. But yeah, nothing to be alarmed about just yet. 
Uh, the drought management plan review. Now that wraps up the first part of the survey wraps up this Friday. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So um, phase one, of course, was that survey. So we're happening both on over the phone with um, a company enlisted to do the phone survey and um, also online. So they'll wrap up. That closes officially on Friday. Um, so I do urge anyone who hasn't got a phone call to jump online and fill out that survey um, via the TRC website. Um, have your say. It's just the initial phase. It's not the be all and end all like you, yeah. you still yeah. can have a say moving forward because once that um basically once all the surveys closed we'll collate the information and it will be given to a consultant and that will help them shape the first draft of the drought management plan and once a draft is all finalized that will go on public exhibition and that's again when the community yeah. can have their say we'll have some public meetings all that sort of stuff so another option coming up um, to have your say on what the drought yeah. management plan will look like no excellent now water wise gardening this is sort of a very focal point or focal topic at the moment you guys have some tips on that yeah so um we've got a let's thrive um initiative which has been around for a few years now and it's i really urge people to take a look at it especially now that um we've come off those really high levels of water restrictions it's been a while since we've been able to speak about let's thrive because yeah. it targets um when we're on permanent water conservation measures level one and level two so when you can have a bit more freedom with um outdoor gardening yeah um and water use but Let's Thrive is all about having water-wise gardens. So little tips on how you can improve your garden to be more sustainable when it comes to water because we've got to remember that the water that comes out of your garden tap is exactly the same drinking quality water that comes out of your kitchen tap. So yeah. there's no no difference. Yeah. And that's just the way things are here in Tamworth at the moment. So, um, yeah, so just be mindful that that water is, you know, it is of the highest quality. It's the same that you drink yeah, you know, out of a cup. So um, tips of, you know, a different um, species that you can plant in your garden that are that are a bit more hardy, a bit more drought tolerant. Um, tips on how to put rainwater tanks in, paving, um, crushed gravel, all those sort of things yeah. that can help save water um, in the garden. Irrigation systems yeah. as well, which are really important. Um, yeah, so all those sort of tips. Yeah, and they're all on the website, so definitely check those out. Absolutely, and it's a free downloadable booklet yeah. as well. So Brilliant. Um, it's all free. Excellent. And finally, rebates. We haven't really done too much on rebates lately. We've been busy talking about yeah. all the survey stuff, Other but stuff. you guys are still issuing the rebates there. Absolutely. And in total, since July 1 last year, um, 750 rebates wow. have been approved. So that's this financial year. And hundreds and hundreds of them for evaporative air conditioner service and maintenance. And, you know, I talk about it a lot, about yeah. how important it is to keep those maintained well and often. So 450 rebates in total um, since wow. July 1 for evaporative air conditioners, which is great to see residents take advantage yeah. of those ones but there is a list of over 20 rebate items for residential um, households take a look they're on the website um, there's plenty of things you can get a rebate a um, dollar back back for and it all improves your water sustainability yeah. in the household yeah check all them out on the website as well as long as with uh, along with those tips for the let's thrive initiative yeah. as well Louise Cadell, thank you so much for the chat. We'll catch up next Tuesday. We will indeed. Thanks, JB. 8.52 here at 92.9.